Many years ago, about 35 of us went to a Jets-Giants game at MetLife Stadium, and we carpooled out there to MetLife Stadium, and we were having a blast, man. We're on our way. Uh, The game happened. I'm not going to tell you who won because I'm a Jets fan, but on the way back, we you'll never believe it. We actually hit traffic. I know you guys didn't see that coming, but we hit traffic. We ended up sitting on a bridge in one spot. We did not move for over an hour. And as we're in the car, and there's a bunch of people in my minivan at the time, and so somebody has the great idea to take out their phone and Google dangerous bridges in America. I'm like, what a wonderful time to do that. And so as they're Googling, they're reading reading different facts about these dangerous bridges. and, And I just said, man, I just hope that the one we're on right now is not one of those dangerous ones. It's called the Robert F. Kennedy Bridge. And so the person rode back and said, oh, no, no, this one's called the Triborough Bridge. And everybody in the car was so relieved until they kept reading. And the statement then said, of course, the Triborough Bridge has recently been renamed the Robert F. Kennedy Bridge. And the car started freaking out. Why? Because we discovered something. We discovered this bridge that we were trusting was technically unfaithful, unreliable, and could at any moment potentially cause an issue. Well, we're we're talking about this last month, how God is the opposite of all those things. He is faithful. He is reliable. He is unwavering. He is dependable. We've seen that week after week, how gracious he is to us, even when we are unfaithful to him, he is still faithful to us. And today I want to continue to highlight God's faithfulness, but I want us to take a big step beyond that today, okay? I want us to start to talk about our faithfulness now. Like, how do we respond to God's faithfulness? Like, it's incredible that he's faithful to us. Thank you, God, for that. We are always going to struggle. We're always going to fall short. But man, isn't it incredible that God then invites us and says, hey, I will be faithful to you no matter what. But here's what starts to happen is my faithfulness begins to rub off on you. Like my faithfulness begins to unlock your faithfulness. Now, this is really important because we struggle with this, right? Like every one of us struggles to be faithful to God in one area of our life or another. You might say when it comes to God, man, I I don't know. I I had promised God I would never gossip again. Like I was going to do my best to be faithful to him and honor him in the way that I speak about others and don't speak about others. And I was just going to be really careful. But then, man, I don't know, man, the pandemic hit and I was sitting home and I'm looking through Facebook and Instagram and the world's tearing itself apart and everybody's got this opinion, that opinion. Next thing I know, I'm on the phone with all my friends saying, can you believe what they wrote? Can you believe what they wrote? Can you believe what they wrote? Oh God, I failed you again, didn't I? Some of us might say, I, I, I promise God I would never freak out on that loved one again. For some of us, we just wrestle with a temper, you know? Like, God, I'll be faithful to, to stop screaming at my spouse or my kid or my boyfriend or girlfriend. Like, I'm going to change. And then we just lose it. God, I, I know I've been struggling with the things my eyes have been looking at, but, but there was this one last Netflix series I watched, and, you know, I, 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 it was horrible. There was all kinds of stuff and violence, and there was all kinds of nudity and everything, but, but I'm done with that. And then, and then your friend starts talking about this next show you got to watch. Next thing you know, you're binge-watching that thing throughout the night, and you struggle by faithfulness toward God, right? I think we also struggle in our faithfulness toward other people. Some of us once stood on a platform before God and man and looked someone in the face and made some promises to them and and we've been unfaithful. Some of us were handed a child and we looked at this little child and fell in love and we we thought to ourselves, I'm going to be a faithful parent. I'm going to love and protect and cherish and we've struggled to be faithful with that. Some of us have had a friendship or a relationship and it was great for a season, but then it got hard like all relationships do and when it got hard, we just bolted and we were unfaithful in that friendship or relationship. And so we wrestle with all these different types of struggles, don't we? For some of us, it's as simple as, I just promised God I was going to read my Bible and pray and spend time with him and worship every day. And I did it like January into like halfway through February. And man, now I've really just fallen off with it. 
What do I do with this unfaithfulness in my heart? It's such an incredible struggle. Well, here's the deal. Our faithfulness is is really hinged on God's faithfulness to us. His faithfulness begins to rub off on us. We've seen so far God's incredible mercy and faithfulness to us. In week one, we saw Paul tell Timothy about this faithful God who would never leave him. Then in week two, we saw Jesus' faithfulness to the thief on the cross, the most undeserving person. And then last week, Joe talked about Hosea, this love that was given to someone so undeserving in Gomer, right? But now what, right? Like, what does it look like for you and me now? See, the last thing I want is for you and I to look at the faithfulness of God and let that set us up to live an unfaithful life. Like, I don't want you and I to think that the point of this series is I can just do whatever I want and God's just gonna keep being faithful. Well, he will still be faithful, but he also calls us to something better. I don't know if you've learned this about sin and unfaithfulness. It never, ever leads anywhere good. Like, it never takes us somewhere we are, we are happy with at the end of the day. And God looks at you and I and says, I love you so much. I have something so much better. And so let my faithfulness kind of rub off on you, right? Let my faithfulness lead you to live a life of faithfulness. I know we're not gonna get it right all the time. We are gonna struggle. And that's why we need the faithfulness of God. But I want us to set the bar high. I want us to be a bunch of people who say, you know what? I'm gonna aim at a faithful life. Like I'm gonna aim to be faithful with the things that I say and the things that I look at and the way that I treat those people that I've made promises to. Like I'm gonna aim at faithfulness. And here is the deal. I think you and I should not only aim at it, but we should actually expect to be faithful people. Again, not perfectly, but at the end of the day, we should look and say, yeah, I can see if I zoom out on my life, I just see that God led me to live a faithful life in these different ways. And we should see growth in the areas where we struggle. Why do I think that? Well, let me give you two reasons today. I'm gonna give you two reasons today why I think you and I can aim at and actually expect to be people who live a faithful life before God. The first reason is this. You have God's spirit in you. And Paul says in Galatians 5.22 that the fruit of the spirit is faithfulness. Now, what does that mean? Okay, so when I was a kid, my dad would always plan for our church these apple picking trips. It wasn't as boring as it sounded. We would drive upstate, we would all be in these church vans, and we'd get up there, and we'd climb trees, and we'd pick apples, and then you'd find the mushy ones and throw them at your friends from the top of the trees. It was incredible. But here's what happened. When we got to that apple picking farm, and we looked up at those apple trees, not one of us looked up and said, why are there apples on these trees? Like we all knew and expected that's what would be on the tree because they were apple trees, right? Well, we just heard that the spirit of God, when it's in our life, if you're a follower of Jesus, the spirit of God's in your life, when you have the spirit of God, it produces, like an apple tree produces apple, the spirit of God produces faithfulness. Again, we're not gonna be perfect in this, but we should be growing in this. Like we should be able to look back a year and go, wow, okay, still maybe struggling in this area or that area, but I've seen growth in my faithfulness in that struggle. I've seen growth in my ability to to look away from this or to to stop my mouth in the midst of that sentence or to look at that loved one and, and not have to scream my head off at them. Like there should be this growth because God is faithful to us, we grow in our faithfulness in response to him. So you have the spirit of God in you. You have the spirit of God in you. And I want you to see today how powerful it is that when we look at the faithfulness of God, it makes us faithful. I need you to see how this is kind of caught today. We're gonna see that in a really powerful story as we talk about this here today. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you're thinking, "Ah, I knew it. I came to church. My friends told me about this cool church meeting out and basically looks like a coliseum here. Like what's gonna happen here? They're gonna bring lions out and fight in the middle of this. I don't even know. But here we are. And I knew the guy on the stage was gonna talk about how I should be a better person. 
Well, let me start and say, if you missed the last three weeks, we've talked all about how God is faithful to unfaithful people. Unfaithful to us, like Joe said last week, at our worst. So let's start there and realize that when we were Christ's enemies, he died for us. So that's where we start. But once we understand that, now we say, okay, so how do I respond to this? I want you to imagine for a second that someone did the most incredible thing for you. Like they did something that cost them so much, you will never be the same. It changed your life forever. And because they did that for you, now you look back and you wouldn't say, well, let me take advantage of that. You'd say, what can I do? What? In response, right? And that's what God's calling you and I to here today. So we're going to look at a really interesting story. And this is an interesting story because you know how often in the Bible, as Jesus is telling a story, or there's a story in the Old Testament, you can usually find yourself in the story, you know? You kind of know, like, oh, I'm that guy probably, or that's my struggle, or I'm this person in this story. What's interesting today is we can really find ourselves in several different people in the story, maybe depending on where we are in life right now. But what we're going to look at here today is the story of a woman named Naomi. And in this story, we're going to see our brokenness and our unworthiness. We are also going to see our potential and we're going to see our redeemer. And so here's the story of Naomi. Naomi had a husband and two sons and they left Bethlehem and went to a place called Moab. And I have to say this because this is really important for later on. When they left Bethlehem and went to Moab, the people of Israel would have been very upset with them. They would have felt as if they had betrayed God and they had betrayed their people because they left in a time of famine and they were trying to escape. And so the people of God would have looked at them and said, ah, they have forsaken God and now look what they have done. So years go by, Naomi's husband passes away. Their sons, her sons each marry a woman. One is named Orpah, not Oprah, okay? But the, here's the truth. This is actually true, okay? It says it on Wikipedia. It has to be true. But Oprah was actually named, like famous Oprah, was actually named after Orpah, but everyone mispronounced it and it stuck. I'm telling you, Wikipedia doesn't lie. You can look it up yourself. But you have Orpah and then you have this other daughter-in-law named Ruth. And within 10 years, both Orpah and Ruth's husbands pass away. So here is Naomi who lost her husband. And now her, her daughters-in-law have lost their husband. So she looks Orpah and Ruth in the face and says, here's the deal. You guys are young. You still have a life ahead of you. I want you to go back to your homes and I want you to find a new husband. He'll take care of you. Your life will be blessed. And then she said this. Please hear me today. It's so important. She says, I, I have been abandoned by God. She says, in fact, I'm going to, she says later in the story, I'm going to change my name to Mara, which means bitter. For my life has become bitter. God has abandoned me. Now listen, this is so important. As we talk about the faithfulness of God, some of you guys are still not convinced he's faithful. As we talk about responding to his faithfulness by being faithful, some of you are going, why would I respond to his faithfulness when I don't know if he's been faithful? My life has been bitter. Some of you guys, here's what we're doing. Just like Naomi's doing, we're equating our pain with God being unfaithful. We're saying his hand's not with me. He's abandoned me. He, he can't be with me. He can't be faithful with all that he's gone, I've gone through. And I want to tell you today, if you will stick with me for the next little while, you will find an answer to Naomi's pain. You will find an answer, I pray, to your pain and your ability to come around this concept whether God is faithful or not. So stick with me here today. It goes on in, in Ruth chapter, oh, I'm sorry, let me, let me back chat for a second. After Naomi says this, Orpah says, okay, I'm going home. You're right, Naomi, I'm gonna go find me another man, another life. But Ruth says something different. Ruth 1.16 says this, but Ruth replied, 
don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Listen, where you, will, where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. She stayed with Naomi. Ruth was faithful to Naomi. Think about it. This woman just said, I've lost everything. I'm bitter and God has abandoned me. And Orpah goes, good luck with all that and leaves. But Ruth looks back at this woman. Her mother-in-law says, I'm gonna be faithful to you. I'm gonna stay with you. All that's true of you will be true of me. Think about the faithfulness. Some of you, right, need to look some people in the face and say, I'm gonna be faithful to you. Some of us need to look God in the eye today, so to speak, and say, God, I want to be like Ruth. I'm going to be faithful. Maybe life is hard. Maybe I haven't been dealt all I wish I had been dealt, but I am going to be faithful in response to your faithfulness to me. And she makes these promises, where you go, I'll go. Where you die, I die. Your people, my people. Your God, my God. I'm going to be faithful. And that's our potential today. Is there anybody you broke a promise to? Okay, today's the day you look them in the eye and say, I'm so sorry I was not faithful to you in this way. I'm going to own that right now. I'm going to ask for your forgiveness. I'm going to say, though I'm imperfect, I am going to aim at faithfulness in this relationship. God, maybe I haven't opened my Bible in a month, but I am going to aim, Lord, at faithfulness. Today's a a new day, July, what is it, 12th, I think? Today's the new day, July 12th, open the scriptures. I'm going to seek your face. I'm going to worship out later when I get home. I'm going to pray the wallpaper off the walls when I get home today because you are faithful, God, and I want to be like you. Naomi and Ruth then travel back from Bethlehem to Naomi's homeland. They're returning home. And this is so important. Here is Naomi, who, again, the people in Bethlehem would have thought she abandoned us and abandoned God, returning home. And not only is she returning home, but she's got one of the foreigners with her. She's got one of the Moabites, through some Moabite, right? And so she's coming home, and you can only imagine what was going through people's mind as they saw Naomi return. Probably thinking, you got what you deserved. You abandoned God, you abandoned us. Now look what happened to you. Guys, can I just pause for a second and say, God help us never be those people. God help us never be those people when someone suffers that we look at and say, yup, that's what you deserve. That's so unchristlike. But here is Naomi coming back and, and here is Ruth along with her and she's alone and, and poor and, and feeling worthless and someone actually says, hey, Naomi, someone recognizes her. Imagine you're going back to your hometown. Somebody calls out her name. Hey, Naomi. And she says, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara for my life is bitter. Again, wrestling with the faithfulness of God. And some of us find ourselves right there today wrestling with if God is faithful or not, feeling broken and desperate and abandoned by people and God. The story continues. Ruth knows they need some food. And so she goes out and she knows that there are people out in the fields picking up food. And she thinks to herself, I'm going to just go find whatever they drop, like all the scraps. Like this would be like you or I waiting outside a bagel store tonight for them to throw out the bagels that they're not going to keep. This was an act of desperation. And it says in Ruth 2 chapter, I'm sorry, Ruth chapter 2 verse 3. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters as it turned out she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz. Boaz asked the foreman of his harvesters, whose young woman is that? Ruth had caught Boaz's eye a little bit here. Whose young woman is that? Now listen, the foreman tells Boaz Ruth's story. Boaz tells Ruth, you stop picking those scraps. You take whatever you need and you please take whatever food or drink that you need for you and yours. Boaz is doing for her what she does not deserve, right? 
displaying a faithfulness to her. Isn't that interesting? How, why, why did that happen? Well, we're going to see this in just a minute. Look at this, verse 10. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She exclaimed, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? She's gone, I'm not even from here. I deserve nothing from you. Why have you done this for me? Listen, Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with the people you did not know. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. Guys, Ruth's faithfulness to Naomi had spread throughout the city. She's like famous for her faithfulness here. And I want you to see something. This is so important. Ruth's faithfulness to Naomi drew out Boaz's faithfulness to Ruth. Are you seeing that? Like God's faithfulness to you and me draws something out of us. When, when we see his goodness to us, even though life's painful at times, when we see his faithfulness to us, even when we're at our worst, there should now be this thing in us going, I want to honor him. I want to please him. The faithfulness of Ruth got so big that everybody took notice and people started being faithful to her. The faithfulness of God should be so big that the faithfulness of you and I starts coming back out toward him and toward others. Powerful, right? Powerful. They, they talk for a while. And then Ruth goes home and tells Naomi, and verse 20 says, Naomi says to Ruth, this man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen redeemers. Now, what's all that about? Well, in that culture, what would happen is someone's relative could kind of swoop in and save the day when a person was in trouble or in need. He could help someone out. He could rescue them. He could buy their property. He could even take their hand in marriage to kind of redeem them or, or give value back to their life. And so Naomi has a little idea here. She's going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Boaz could be that for you, Ruth. And so she kind of just floats this idea here. We find out later in the story that Naomi owns some land. And so they were going to try and sell the land to get some food. And so she's thinking, Boaz has been kind to you. He's our kinsman. And in this situation, what's interesting is the kinsman would have to not only be willing to buy the field, but also take Ruth as his wife. Well, why would he do that, right? Why, why would he do that for this Moabite woman who doesn't deserve this? Why would God do anything for you and me who don't deserve a thing from him? And so Ruth continues to go back to Boaz's field. And in Ruth 3, time goes by and Naomi says to Ruth, approach Boaz as your kinsman redeemer. Go see if he'll take you as his wife. Pushy, pushy, right? And so here is Ruth who feels alone and worthless, abandoned. Maybe you feel that today. And she's going to look to this man who owes her nothing and he's going to, Save and rescue her? Maybe you feel like that toward God today. She approaches him and, and he seems excited, but there's a catch, of course, right? Like Boaz seems into this idea, but there's a catch. And the catch is this. There was someone technically in that culture ahead of him in line to be the kinsman redeemer for Ruth before he would have dibs. Like this is the part of the movie where we think the couple's gonna get together and we're all excited, but we're looking at our watch and we're only 45 minutes in and we know it's his lifetime and there's another hour that something's gonna go wrong, right? And so you've got Chris Hemsworth and he's engaged to Jennifer Lawrence character and everything's going good it's three days till the wedding and then all of a sudden Chris Pratt comes back and he, he had been engaged to Jennifer Lawrence beforehand but he disappeared in the Himalayas and an avalanche and right and now what well Boaz goes and talks with the other kinsman redeemer and, and he says hey here, here's the deal um I, I have this family member and, and 
you know, you could be this kinsman redeemer for her and you could take this, this property and purchase this land, but you'd also have to take Ruth, Ruth as your wife. Listen to me. The other kinsman redeemer looks back and says, listen, that would be too costly. He says, I'll take the field, but to take Ruth would be too risky and too costly. Aren't you so glad Jesus did not say that about you and me? Aren't you so glad that Jesus did not look at you and I and say that the cost would be too great to rescue them? It'd be too risky to leave my throne and to walk as a man and to be put up on a cross and then rise back from the dead. It would be too risky. But Jesus said yes, and Boaz said yes to Ruth. It says this in verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And then he went to her and the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. Boaz was incredibly faithful to Ruth even when it risked and cost him everything. He, he was faithful to redeem her. Guys, and, and so here's the weird part. Again, we find ourselves in multiple spots in this story, don't we? Like where we want to be like Ruth because she was faithful to Naomi. But then we find ourselves like Ruth who was abandoned and disgraced and alone and couldn't help herself. And then we find Boaz. We want to be like Boaz because Boaz becomes this redeemer and he's this picture of Jesus. And so I bet you're finding yourself. And then there's somebody else here today going, well, I'm like Naomi because I feel bitter and I feel like God probably isn't faithful right now and everything's a mess. And so where are you in the story today? And I got to tell you and just kind of complete this out that Ruth and Boaz is great grandson would be King David. And from King David eventually would come King Jesus, right? And Jesus would be the ultimate redeemer for you and for me, who would look at you and I and say, yes, the cost will be high, but I will go ahead and pay that cost. Yes, it will be difficult. And yes, it is risky, but I will give it all to rescue them back for me. And that means if that's the kind of God we have, then we can look back at him and say, then I want to be faithful back to you. If you were faithful to me at my worst, then I want to be faithful back to you. And if you are struggling here today to come around the faithfulness of God, which is easy to struggle with right now in the world that we're living in, if you're wrestling with that today, I have to ask you a question. Is there pain in Naomi's story? Yes. But was God faithful to her and her family? Yes. Both were true. And sometimes for you and me, both are true. There is pain there is Mara, there is bitter, but there is still faithful. And so today, if that's where you are, I pray you'll come around the faithfulness of God. And maybe it's gonna just be a step of faith for you today. Maybe it's not a feeling thing today. Maybe you don't feel like God's faithful, but today maybe it's just to take a step and say, okay, God, I'm going to trust that you're faithful. I can't quite make sense of this or that yet, but I'm going to trust that you, God, are faithful. And so what am I wanting you guys to grab today, to take with you today? It's this thought, because this really sums up, I think, the whole story of Ruth, this beautiful, interesting, unique story we find in Scripture. God's faithfulness to us creates faithfulness in us. God's faithfulness to us creates faithfulness in us. When we see it for what it is, we are drawn to the faithfulness of God, and then that faithfulness begins to rub off on us, and you and I should then expect to become more and more faithful. Why? Because we have the Spirit of God in us, and the Spirit of God produces faithfulness. And because our faithfulness is anchored to God's faithfulness, our faithfulness back to Jesus is anchored to his faithfulness to you and to me. Ruth's faithfulness to Naomi. Boaz's faithfulness to Ruth. God's faithfulness to us. So what does this mean for us? Well, if you've been struggling 
with those words that fly out of your mouth and you just can't help but talk and talk and talk. Okay, you better, I better, we better fix our eyes on Jesus, the faithful one. And say, oh Lord, if I fall short, pick me back up. But God, I'm going to aim at a faithful life. If we're struggling at what we're looking at on our devices or on a Netflix screen, we better get our eyes back on Jesus and say, oh God, I want to be faithful to you. If we haven't spent time with God in a month, it is time. Like I said, July 12th, hey, it's day one. We open up the scriptures later today. We go on a prayer walk later today. We drive to the beach later today. And we worship God for all that he is. And we look at his faithfulness and the waves crashing on the shore, faithfully coming in, unwavering day in, day out. We say, that's like my Savior. That's like my Savior. That's who he is to me. And if you're struggling with faithfulness toward another, today's the day we own it, July 12th. Today's the day we own it. We look our spouse in the face. We say, I've been unfaithful in this way or that way. To your child, I've been unfaithful. I could have and should have done this instead. Would you forgive me? I'll tell you what, those are some of the most powerful words you could ever say to your child. Would you forgive me? I I messed this up and I'm sorry. I want to be faithful like my Savior's been to me. Wow, imagine the power of that. Imagine your parent had said that to you. What would it have done for you? That's what you can do for your child. That's what you can do in your relationship. Maybe that's what some of us need to do to our parents or another loved one in our life, but the faithfulness of God wearing off on us. God's faithfulness to us creates faithfulness in us. We have partnered for many years with an amazing ministry called Long Island Youth Mentoring. And what they do is they pair a Christian with a kid who's got really nobody to look up to. Incredible ministry. But here's what I have heard. I've heard several times that mentors will show up for their first meeting and the kid doesn't show up. And then I've heard the second time they'll show up again, the kid still doesn't show up. Third time, kid still didn't show up. Fourth time, kid shows up. What was going on? Well, the funny thing is the kid had actually been showing up every single time. He just wasn't letting them know he showed up. He was across the street. He was up looking out his window to see, would the mentor be faithful? Would this guy or girl actually show up the first time? And if they did, if I didn't show up, would they show up the second time? And if they did, if I didn't show up, would they show up the third time? And then the fourth time, they show up. And then guess what? They show up the fifth time, the sixth time, the seventh time. For some of these people, they have been in multi-year relationships of mentoring now. What was it? The the mentor's faithfulness to them created faithfulness in them, right? Right? That this person's showing up over and over again. Guys, that's Jesus. That's God. He shows up over and over again, even when we don't. But then eventually, there is this faithfulness that comes out of us and says, okay, I can trust this Savior. I can trust this God who keeps on showing up. And yes, life is difficult, and sometimes there's bitter seasons, but God is still faithful. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope today you're hearing all again about a Jesus, a savior, a redeemer, an amazing picture. Like if you're looking at Boaz going, wow, what a guy, man. He swooped in, saved the day. It cost him everything. He risked everything, but he, well, that's Jesus for you and me. Uh, Multiplied out by a billion, right? That's Jesus for you and for me. And today he wants you to have a relationship with him. And so if you drove onto this property today, not knowing where you stand with God, I pray today you will look to him for the hope of salvation because he loves you. And he wants to not only change your eternity, but begin to help you be faithful here and now. And he will help you do that. We're gonna start a new series the next several weeks here. I'm not even gonna say the name because you'll be confused by it, but I'll let you know all about it next week. But one of the things we're gonna highlight is what the Holy Spirit does in us to help us work through our struggles. And so if you're here today going, man, I just can't live this. I don't know how to be faithful. Well, we're gonna keep talking about in the weeks to come. But for today, I pray that you will know and rejoice and celebrate and we will come together in a minute here and worship around the truth that God's faithfulness to us creates faithfulness in us. Let's pray together. 
God, we are so thankful for the God that you are, the Savior that you are, the Rescuer that you are, the Redeemer that you are, the one who comes in in our worthlessness, the one who comes in and sees us broken and alone and unable to save ourselves. And God, you are faithful time and again, Lord. Thank you, God. We cling to that today. And we thank you, God, that even in the pain, in the Mara, in the bitter season, there is still a faithful God accomplishing something beautiful. And so, God, we ask you for your help today. God, we want to be like Ruth. We also recognize that we are sometimes lost like Ruth was lost. We want to be like Boaz, to come in and to say, yes, I want to be faithful. But we also recognize you are Boaz, the one who has come to redeem us, Lord. So we find ourselves all over this story today, God. And we just ask, Lord, that your faithfulness would unlock our faithfulness. If you're a follower of Jesus, what do you need to pray about right now? What do you need to just bring to God and say, here's where I've been struggling. Here's where I'm at. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, you want to put your trust today in him. And I encourage you to pray with me now. Jesus, thank you so much for your faithfulness. That the cost, the risk of getting on a cross wasn't too great for you to save me and rescue me from my sin. Jesus, show me what it looks like now to follow you. Put your Holy Spirit in my life. And Lord, let faithfulness flow out. Thank you for this gift in your name. Amen.